Hello, 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 my AOWs. I'm so excited that you've decided to spend the next 20 to 30 minutes with me. We're going to be talking today about community. It's something I've been thinking about a lot. Uh, What spurred this was actually a patient who told me she was looking for a community and really just couldn't find one where she felt that she had peers that she could really talk to who are experiencing early menopause, in her case, premature ovarian insufficiency. That really got me thinking about the role of community, what is the right community, and how do we create this utopian community? All right, let's do it. Hi, and welcome to Health by Heather Hirsch a podcast dedicated to uncovering many of the women's health issues many of us are wondering about, but few of us are talking about. My mission is to expose the current gaps in knowledge and care on all things women's health. Enjoy. Well, I hope you ladies are all doing well. It's uh, the beginning of August, and so it's getting really hot. I think I always say that because I record in my attic where it's really hot, and I love you guys, so I turned off the AC so that it wasn't humming in the background. But it's been a really fun summer. I Summer's my favorite season. Everyone loves the fall. I the fall's okay. It starts to get cold and I don't like the cold. So even just the fact that it's starting to get cold, I don't like that. I clearly don't like the winter because I don't like to be cold. And just like the inconvenience of all the things you have to do in the winter. It's always been my goal to go skiing. And it's an embarrassing fact that as someone who's originally from upstate New York and now lives in New England, I've never been skiing. But here's the thing with skiing. When you get to a certain age and you don't know how to ski, no one like asks you to go skiing with them because you're now the kid that is going to be super behind or super slow and no one wants to teach you how to ski. So I've never learned how to ski, but it's always been on my to-do list. So I hope you are enjoying the summer. I wanted to talk about communities today and uh, how important they are, uh, but how much of a slippery slope communities can be. Now, if you are listening to my show, you're kind of part of this community, even just, you know, listening to my favorite podcasters and, you know, kind of hearing what they're up to in a little bit of their personal lives and how they just relay the news around whatever topic I'm listening to. You feel like you're a little bit part of like the Heather world or the Heather community. But podcasts are also a little tough because you can't totally interact with other listeners. You may have found me through Instagram or through TikTok or YouTube or Facebook or any of those social media platforms. And, you know, plug, I'm at Heather Hirsch MD on all of those. And those are little micro communities as well. The problem with those is they are not totally niche focused. And on those platforms, I certainly wish, but it's hard to interact with every single comment. In fact, I guess a sign of your social media growing is that I've gotten a lot of comments that say, why don't you respond to your comments, which I I know my heart feels it too, because I want to, but I simply can't always. And when it comes to making sure I'm answering what comments, I always have to start with my patients and answering my patient portal questions and then going on down to, you know, other people that need me emails. And then of course my social media. So it is really hard. And so that those little micro communities there aren't really perfect examples. 
And then you could swing all the way to the other side, which is Facebook communities. And Facebook communities are wild. They're wild. I'm sure you're probably in a few. And I may be wrong, but I really think the best part of Facebook now is Facebook groups and having either a parents group for the school or maybe it's a grandparent group or it's a certain support group. It's a way for people with very specific needs and niches to interact with each other. Um, But they can also be the wild, wild west, the wild, wild west. There is a very popular Facebook menopause group. That's at about 80,000, maybe 100,000 followers at this point. And it's real unhinged. Coming from a menopause clinician, um, and if you're listening to this show, you, you know I provide evidence-based information. It is a really unhinged group. The problem with Facebook groups is you have a lot of people who certainly feel like they're experts. And whatever their qualifications may be, it may be just be simply, I had success with X, Y, or Z. And so they certainly feel as though they are an expert. Facebook's a great place. We all want to feel like experts in something. And it's sort of a pseudo anonymous place where you feel like you have pseudo friends that you can be a pseudo leader in. But the problem is, is it really is the wild, wild west of misinformation. I went to speak at the American College of Physicians back in April, and the topic I was given to to talk about was really social media myths in women's health and how fast they can spread. And Facebook groups are probably one of the fastest places they can spread. And then, of course, just across random people, social media, um, who may have a large following and who may really kind of trigger that Pavlovian psychological response of like, oh, whatever she did, I will do that too. Whatever she did, she seems to be looking good, feeling good, and I'm going to do that exact recipe. I'm going to copy and paste no matter how unhealthy or ridiculous or expensive it is. That's what I'm going to do. And so those are really big problems in some of the Facebook communities. Now, not all of them. Uh, Some of them are run by uh, people who are a little bit more thoughtful or who provide a little bit more direction. But um, I've certainly seen, again, Facebook groups created by laywomen who claim to be experts because they've read X, Y, or Z. But I'm just going to say it in my attic, like if you're not an MD and you are not a clinician and you do not spend time with patients and you don't know the the intricacies of chronic disease management and how to prescribe things, you should not be telling people what to do, whether it is a prescription, certainly, or even a non-prescription. You really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. Now, diet and exercise, those are a little bit of gray areas for me because honestly, I think that, I think that uh, this one's really tough. You can see I'm even like struggling for words, but I think that we have, there are a lot of people who have become very successful off of trying to copy and paste certain diets onto other people. And the problem is, is that we all want at one point in our lives, a better body who wouldn't, but it's this idea that we have to constantly be on a plan or be restrictive or be thinking about what we eat 24 seven. It's exhausting. And 
I think that a lot more people are actually realizing that if you just stop thinking about what you're eating, whether it's good or it's bad or it's too much or it's too little, and you just listen to your body, you're actually going to do so much better. The psychological damage we've done, even if it's trying to be good and thinking about our portion sizes or what time it is, like it's all kind of exhausting. And when you just free yourself from it, you really start living life. And so I always have just a little bit of, you know, worry about any type of plan. I see their benefits and I see where people do want to rely on a system or a community to do that. So I I put those sort of in the gray zone. On the other side, there are some really great um, communities. And there was a study done looking at women with polycystic ovarian syndrome, PCOS, which is really a premenopausal condition. And that uh, women for whom had PCOS were in this certain peer supported group where there was like what we call like light moderation, um, kind of stopping the people that are like uh, really kind of putting out information of uh, unhinged stuff, kind of slightly moderating that a little bit. Actually, those patients were a lot more satisfied uh, with their uh, ability to live with their diagnosis and feel good with their diagnosis. So I think that that's really inspiring. And there are certainly other groups like that. So for premature ovarian insufficiency, previously known as premature ovarian failure or POI for short, or basically menopause before age 40, there are a couple of groups that are national organizations. The DAISY Network is, I believe, based in the UK. And then I think there's premature ovarian insufficiency network or something like that. Again, I'm going without any notes here. So don't, don't, uh, jot this down, but, um, you know, and I had a patient just tell me t- today that, you know, she thought it was okay, that she certainly could maybe post a question or read some, uh, you know, updated research articles and et cetera, but really couldn't feel as though she was like talking with people or discording with people, you know, having conversations or like a virtual coffee house. I think there are more of those groups out there. And what I would love, and I know podcasts are not really set up for this, but please DM me at Heather Hersham D what kind of group you found to be really helpful. And actually I will post those on my Instagram stories. And if you're not on Instagram, you can always find me some other way, or you can shout it out or you can send me a review on iTunes and shout out your favorite community. Um, so there are definitely groups for, um, women who have a history of cancer and that's actually probably a really good model. Uh, A student of mine was telling me about the breasties, which she's found so much, uh, support from and was able to cruise on the breasties site. This is a site for women with, um, breast cancer who are on the younger side, although, you know, she said it's really very inclusive and they kind of share exercise regimens and encourage each other and tell stories and talk about their treatments. And that's a really wonderful model. And uh, I think that, you know, why reinvent the wheel? Um, If someone's doing something like that, why couldn't we do something for POI or surgical menopause or, uh, you know, early perimenopause? Uh, there's a group, Oh, Hello Perry, um, that I, oh my gosh, have it's been a while since we last talked. It was actually before the pandemic. We were kind of working on maybe doing some stuff together. Um, and then life just got crazy and has taken us in probably different directions. Although um, I really like their stuff on Instagram. And I believe they have a link there on their site where you can go and join their community. And that's really like perimenopause focused. So for women who are still cycling, having periods, 
kids, but want to talk to other women who may be experiencing similar frustrations in perimenopause. There's some other groups as well on Facebook, back to Facebook, like Menopausing So Hard by Amanda Thebes. She's been on my show and she wrote a wonderful book called Menopocalypse. She does so much on Instagram. I'd be surprised if you didn't know who she was. Um, She has a really good support group on Facebook called Menopausing So Hard. Again, sort of with that light touch moderation uh, so that we're kind of, you know, making sure people really do follow the rules of being in a Facebook group and not spreading misinformation. Now, this is where it's just so difficult because the line between fact and fiction is already so blurry when it comes to hormone therapy. That's one whole reason I have all the social media platforms and I'm writing a book and I do this podcast. So it's really hard even for moderators uh, who are themselves maybe not menopause experts to be able to to light touch moderate. Now, someone like Amanda, she uh, has been really learning and researching and writing and speaking and wrote a book on menopause coming from the fitness industry. So she does have a lot more background and she's also really drawn her line in the sand of, um, you know, I'm not going to promote, uh, you know, unapproved, <laughs> unhinged things. Right. And she will be pretty outspoken about that. And that's part of her personality. It's why it works really so well for her. So, you know, I think that these little niches in menopause, although menopause shouldn't be a niche, right? It's half the population and all women will go through menopause if they live to a certain age. But thinking about surgical menopause or menopause from cancer or perimenopause as different support groups is really nice because while you're in that certain situation, which could blast you for years, what is wonderful about community and why I think it's such an integral part of this whole process in your life is because it feels so nice to talk to someone who is going through the same thing as you. And there is just not a lot of replacement for that. You certainly can uh, talk to your friends uh, and talk to your family. You can talk to your doctor, but if they're not in that same spot and they don't know as much about it as you might, and again, we all are learning about perimenopause and menopause as we go because historically it's been undertaught and not seen as important. So it's really nice to talk to someone who's going through the same thing as you, who may be facing similar challenges, whether it's, do we take this medication? Do we, uh, you know, have this surgery? Uh, do we, you know, what do we think about this risk versus that risk? You know, I think having someone in a similar situation is, is means so much while you're going through something. And I think that that's why in that PCOS study, those women felt much more support in that peer moderated group. Um, another example of this too, I actually just thought of is the Meet Rosie app. I believe they have a really nice community in there. So if you don't know about Meet Rosie, you should. It's an app created by Dr. Lindsay Harper, who I totally like to brag that she's my friend <laughs> and I talk about her app all the time, but it was created for her, by her, sorry, for women with um, low sexual desire or other sexual disorders, dysfunctions, what have you. And within the app, which is free to download, um, there's a community aspect involved in there. And so again, the, the ability to talk to somebody who is feeling similar to you, who may be of similar age or a similar life journey is really, really so comforting. I also think that when you're with someone who's going through something similar to you, oftentimes they'll bring a brand new perspective or they will learn of a new research study 
or they will learn a, a new doctor to pass along. And those things are invaluable. It's essentially what people who want us to go back into the workforce after the pandemic are saying. It's like the water cooler experience, although it doesn't have to be in person. In this example, it's having people who have similar uh, things going on in their lives medically come together. And so I think that that's really cool. So many little invaluable things that can happen in those communities. Um, people become real life friends. You know, it was back in like 2018, we used to say IRL in real life. Um, when you had friends on Instagram that became your in real life friends and, you know, people still say that I've met so many of my friends from social media or IE communities, even for me on my Instagram, I certainly have a little community there of other like-minded women's health doctors and nurse practitioners and dietitians and other experts for whom we get to really bounce ideas off, invite to do uh, be each other's podcasts or, you know, speak at each other's institutions. And the same thing happens, that same magic happens when you get to be with like-minded people. So, you know, I say all this too, if you've, if you have been following me, uh, I have been thinking about forming my own support group, my own community group. Uh, and I don't exactly know how I see this coming to life, but I do know, like my patient said, there is space for communities that have a light touch moderation and it would be cool if I could do something like that. And I kind of envisioned these sort of separate different like AOL chat rooms of like surgical menopause or BRCA or um, POI and women could kind of join whatever group or I'm a doctor, I want to learn about hormone therapy and women could join these groups and uh, really learn from each other, right? What they want to know about that's really pertinent to their sort of specific uh, menopausal type wink, wink. The wink is for my book. <laughs> um, so I'm really excited. I hope that my book actually will help form communities too. People certainly do book clubs and the book, my book, Discover Your Menopause Type, um, which is going to be coming out next year is going to be such a cool book club book, I think, for people to talk about their different experiences, what they feel like was their more predominating symptoms and, you know, how that equates to how things turned out for them and et cetera, and maybe what they want to do for treatment. But you can also really start to see that one size doesn't fit all, which is when those, uh, you know, the dangers of those Facebook communities really, really, you know, keep me awake at night. So I've been thinking about doing, starting my own community. Um, I set up a website. It's menopausemember.com. You can go there and put your email in and I keep you updated on how that process is going. This is sort of a longer term project because I really want to take this quite seriously um, and make this a really beautiful site where women can go to uh, feel really comfortable and meet like-minded women in a safe space run by a clinician who um, yeah, just has, I just like know my stuff. I just know menopause. That's my thing. I know, I know it. Um, so that's kind of what I've also been kind of kicking around in, in the back of my mind. I certainly have plenty of things to do. I'm, uh, still working on, uh, you know, a lot of stuff here at the Brigham, uh, seeing my patients and, uh, trying to grow the clinic and do all that stuff while also making this content for you. So here's my last plug. If you love this show, please give it a thumbs up or some reviews or a star on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast, share it to your social 
social medias. Tell me what community uh, you're involved in that I didn't mention that you really love. You can find me at Heather Hersham D and send me a DM. I don't always respond. Sometimes I'll give you a thumbs up or a star or a response if I have time, but I love reading your messages. I really do read all of them and they really do inspire topics, podcasts, YouTube videos, and all of that. So thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for spending your half an hour with me. Please enjoy the last part of summer because I love nothing more than just being sticky and hot. All right. I'll see you guys next week for a brand new episode. Bye-bye everyone. If I haven't already done so, thank you. Thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to my show. Consider subscribing so you never miss an episode. Also, if you love the show, your stars or a quick review could really help other women who are searching for information on menopause and midlife around the globe find this show. If you want to work with me, consider the Reclaiming Menopause Masterclass. The link for that is in the description to this show. Thank you again from the bottom of my heart for all your support, and I'll see you next week for a brand new episode. Episode.